If you are thinking about starting a podcast like we were, uh, check out Anchor. Anchor is kind of a one-stop shop for everything. Uh, you can record on Anchor. You can edit your podcast on Anchor. They have lots of sound clips. They have free music. Uh, Anchor also will take care of all your hosting. And you can also get paid from Anchor, just like I am doing this ad right now. So uh, head on over to anchor.fm or download the mobile app. And without further ado, welcome to the show. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. Because <laughs> they're raping everybody out here. Should, now, a, should a Jewish I baker think, be required to bake a I Nazi wedding Muslim cake? Millionaires and billionaires. Yeah, how about that? It feels kind of like we're up the creek. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry. I'm the boss. That's how about right. that? And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. Well, I'm not a crook. If we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Whole binders full of, uh, of women. You just gotta keep on paddling. You know, I got talk of blood, man. Streaming stuff going on, on, the, on, the, on the, the internet. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. <laughs> Welcome to Up the Creek. Yeah, so... Uh, up the creek part of being married in being a man is uh taking a piss mm -hmm. so we were just talking about <laughs> he got heckled by his wife oh. for pissing in the backyard and i think any guy listening you know understands that it's like you know the thing is i'm having a good time and if i pee inside i am going to get hassled about leaving the seat up when i'm done uh-huh Getting piss on the seat if I leave it down, uh -huh. even if it's not, and it's just like you know water from the flush, uh -huh. or get accused of like there's piss on the floor because when you stand up and pee, you know it technically splatters out, you know bloody bloody fucking blah. So it's uh -huh. like you know what, I'm just gonna go in the backyard and piss because it's easier for everybody, and yeah. I can stand up and pee. So that's what I'm gonna do. And and I have city water because I live in in the city, so I've got to pay for yeah. that water. I mean that one flush, but still. Well, that's also oh, conserving the environment. It because, is because you're not wasting water. Uh huh. Green, right? green, just, green just, New Deal. Yeah. Green, green Party. Put that climate change back into the dirt. Yes, sir. <laughs> I I like to think of it as I. This is nature's bathroom. Mm -hmm. You know, we were meant to piss outside. Yeah. Not inside. You know, it's just how it is. You know, and also I grew up in the country. I live in the city now, but I grew up in the country, so I've always pissed outside my entire life until I moved into the city. You know, it's been about ten years ago now, which. <laughs> Trying to get back out to the country. We will one day. Um, but my wife, she just does it. It's kind of funny because I always do it all the time. She's like, uh, she's never lived in the country. So I guess doesn't really understand it. Maybe. I don't know. It's just kind of funny. She's always like, quit peeing outside. I'm going to keep peeing outside. It's just what I do. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. It's it's easier. It's better for everybody. There's no mess involved. There's no water involved. You don't have to make noise going to the bathroom. You don't have to have the embarrassment of people are over and I'm in the bathroom, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what are they thinking oh, about yeah. my butthole? You know, <laughs> you don't got none of that going on. <laughs> what is he in there? Yeah. Do you think he shaves it or bleaches it? That's the conversation going on. And, and you know, the, 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 thing with, the thing with guys is that like, you know, you could be sitting here and then say, oh, I got to piss. And so they walk like literally 10 feet away and turn around and like nobody cares. Like, you're going to see girls, like, in a conversation, yeah. just, I got to piss, and they're going to go over there and squat. No, it'd be awkward as fuck. <laughs> well, it's a culture thing, dude. Guys are just yeah. like, nobody cares, man. Just whip it out. I got we had, it's built, Everybody it's pees. built in for convenience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of, I have a really good friend who's, uh, I mean, great guy, but I went, 
you go to the lake, I go to the lake, you know, and when you we're in the water drinking, you just pee in the water, right? That's what I do. I think that's what everybody does. Oh no, he freaked. He freaked out when I he, he, now he this guy doesn't go to the lake, but he's like, what you know? What I'm like, what do you guys do when you go? So let me start over. Talking to my buddy about going to the lake and stuff, and he asks what we do there all day, and I, we just drink, you know, we're on the boat in the water swimming, drinking, having a good time, listening to music and stuff like that. And he's like, well, where, what do you guys uh, do when you got to go pee? Do you guys go to the shore? No. Like, I pee in the water as I'm... In the water that you're swimming in? Well, yes, of course. <laughs> and he was floored. He was like, this is disgusting. <laughs> he thought it was the grossest thing ever. What? I mean, I'd love to hear from, from everybody their opinion on that. Because, I mean, one, when I'm drinking enough, it's just water at that point anyway. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. But at the same time... I'm swimming in that water that fish pee and shit in. Stuff dies in. Stuff dies. I mean, it, it is just cattle shit in the fields adjacent to the lake, and it goes it, it goes in there eventually. Yeah, and if you're in Oklahoma or Arkansas, there's fucking chicken farms all over the place. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, like there's been lakes that have been closed for E. coli because of chicken shit. Yeah. But unless the lake is like closed at a swimming beach, you probably still went there. I'm like, wow, the water at Ten Killer is really clear. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, it's also full of chicken shit. <laughs> well, not to mention too, dirt is nitrogen which is fertilizer it's dead stuff it's shit it's it's everything this the lake the lake the silt down it's all the same shit yeah it's it's shit literally shit you know that's how it's all so it's like i don't know i to me it's just a normal nature so so now on on the shit topic because we kind of started with piss oh yeah let's get on this one (laughs) do you shit in the lake i have once yeah have you i've done it a couple times it's not. I don't. I wasn't a fan of it. You know, it's weird because it's it's awkward to float and then also be in the water and try to have your body let stuff out because yeah. when you're in water, your body is trying to keep things closed. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, other than being awkward, I, I think the one perk about you know crapping in the lake is that uh, your odds of having a no wiper go up exponentially. Oh, because, because everything is just kind of cleaned as it goes. Yeah, it's a... So unless you got like one of them real tar poops that like just... <laughs> so... You're going to be all right. So on that note, throw, <laughs> throw my wife under the bus and for everybody in Florida, you'll love this. So in uh, Destin, there's a place called uh, Crab Island. Okay. It's not really an island. It's just sort of this area where the water is only like, you know, it's two or three feet deep and there's, uh-huh. there's people will be out there on their little motorboat canoes selling, you know, beer and ice cream sandwiches or whatever else. And so it's like a giant party cove, except it's kind of just out there off the beach. Right. Okay. And so uh, no, 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 nobody in our boat saw her do this because she was sneaking off. But we're in the middle of Crab Island where there's just hundreds of pontoon boats with, you know, dozens of people on them everywhere. She apparently sure. went off from the boat and like just let an old two footer out. <laughs> And the water down there, it's like crystal clear, yes. man. I mean, it's like it's like you can see the lines on your toenail, you know, underneath the water. And so it's just like, if nobody saw her doing it, uh-huh. like, like somebody saw that motherfucker floating. <laughs> like, what the it's, fuck? Yeah, at some point during the day. And uh. it's, it's just like, you know, that would be the one instance where like, you know, maybe you should go to shore because there's kids playing here and you don't want your two-footer floating and some three-year-old's like, look, ah, I got it. And some some poor dad had to be like, oh, son of a bitch. A, you is, damn know the a, wife wasn't going to clean it. It's a Snickers or it's a candy bar. What fucking movie was that? Uh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Yeah, yeah. there's a baby Ruth in Yeah, there's a baby yeah. Ruth. That's what it was. Uh, no, so the one time I did do it in the lake, um, uh, I was at Beaver Lake, which is pretty good clear water, but... Yeah. I think it's because I drank so much the night before. You know, when you drink, sometimes your shits are just not okay. Yeah. And I drink a lot. And we were on vacation there for a week, so I've been drinking heavily, I guess, for quite a few days at this point. 
And I had to go. And I was like, oh, all right. And I was always kind of like, not against shit in the water, but I just, I never, the opportunity never arose. Yeah. It just was, I was like, okay. So I wouldn't like hold it and wait. But that day I had to go. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to get it done. So I swam off a little bit of ways and everybody. And they all knew what I was doing. And that shit, it came out and then like floated up against my back. <laughs> And like rubbed against my back and I flipped out. <laughs> Never done it again. <laughs> it was so nasty. You know, that's always the big fear, see which way is the current going. So like when I do it, even when I pee, I try to like point it away, but like uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. the waves are the wake. You know, it's like you don't want it coming back at you. Yeah, you right? Know, I mean, you want to swim yeah. away from your boot like, oh my god. <laughs> Which, you know, it makes it funny because we start this saying, like, hey, it's okay to do it. But then it's like, oh, my God, don't get anywhere near me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's just the dissonance, you know, of like, yeah. you know, I get the guy who's like, man, there's like people in here hanging out. Like, yeah, it does seem kind of weird. I'm still going to fucking do it, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also kind of weird when you're peeing and or you're sorry, you're, you're floating in the lake and then you like catch a warm spot. And you know what that is. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, what's going on? What? Hey, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yep. My one time doing it. I'd never do it again. Oh, that's excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway, I wanted to bring up a thing I was listening to today. And uh, so there's a there's a thing in the Bible where Ezekiel. Bring that a little bit closer. Put it like right here. It's right here. Is he scared? Is it too far? <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a, in, in the Bible, there's a, a prophet named Ezekiel. Yeah. And uh, there's a point in there where he describes, or well, not he describes, he was taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. Uh And so to sort of ancient aliens, ancient astronaut, or, you know, people all over, that's always something that gets kind of taken as, uh, you know, well, was that a UFO? Like, you know, did the aliens come take Ezekiel? And uh, there's another point where in the same butch, same same butch, (laughs) (laughs) same book, and I... I'm sorry, I've been drinking. It's Ezekiel. It might be Elijah. I could be getting it wrong. I think, a... I think it's Elijah. It's Elijah. Okay. This uh, is all you on this one. <laughs> yeah. So if I butcher this, you know, screw you. Do your own research. It'd be easy to Google. But uh, <laughs> Do your own research. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, talks, he talks about, he, he, just, he describes an angel, right? Okay. He, he yeah. describes it as like, you know, it has these faces and it has these wings and like this thing above its head. And like, you know, it's like a wheel within a wheel. And everybody's always kind of struggled with that explanation. And I, I learned today, and this was fantastic. Like, go look it up. There's a YouTube channel. It's called uh, uh, Fringe Pop 321, a guy named Michael Heiser. And uh, so in that, he points out that when this book was written, you know, the the, the Jews were basically in, in Babylon at the time. Or Babylon was the dominant culture, and that's what everybody would have been familiar with. Well, there's actually lots of, like, little you know, art or hieroglyphs or icons or whatever you want to call it of Babylonian stuff. In this description he gives of an angel, it, it matches basically what everybody would have seen in Babylonian art at the time. Uh-huh. And so he's describing these entities as something that people at the time would have been able to recognize in art. Basically implying that, you know, this stuff is, is real or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily describing like something that we don't know. And he was struggling to find the words. He struck, he's, he's explaining something that everybody at the time was familiar with. Right. Which uh, is kind of mind blowing because when you look at like sort of, you know, ancient alien stuff, everybody's tempted to point to like, you know, the UFO or the alien. And it's like, well, he's, he's just speaking to people's common understanding at the time. 
Right. Of something that they would have all seen, which makes it a little less exciting. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. That's just an inter- interesting one I wanted to throw out there on the topic of, uh, you know, aliens. Where did you find that today? Just So, YouTube channel. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, he said that. Fringe Pop 321. Okay, yeah. Hmm. And it's it was called... Uh, Ah, something aliens. You know, there's not that many videos on that channel, but but they're all really well done. That's, I mean, that, that's that's something that's always interested me the uh, the the religious thing, the Bible, and the you know if aliens tie into it or if it was actually just all you know aliens. I mean, if it's, sorry, if it was all just angels and and Jesus and whatnot. Um, like I I want to read the book. I've heard it. Rogan's talked about it a ton of times, and it's uh can't remember, but it talks about Moses when he went and uh, was supposed to be talking to Jesus and he saw the burning bush or whatever. Sure. But he, the guy goes into this theory that he was just on magic mushrooms, which is yeah, why so there's, he... There's a... What's his name? Something McKenna. He wrote a book uh-huh. on that. Uh, Graham Hancock has a couple books yeah. on you know psychedelics and stuff like that. And that's a very popular thing today to say yeah. that, well, the psychedelics and consciousness and, and, you know, religious experience and stuff like that. Uh, I, I just don't know because even in the context of the burning bush, one thing these people leave out is that like there's, there's angels and stuff there too. And I, I don't know that. I mean, I don't know. Like everybody who does drugs tries to, Oh man, it's so easy. It's so cool. And so deep and like philosophical. And it's like, show me one drug addict, you know, who is like a really deep philosophical thinker. Right. Well, drug addict, none. I bet you that they are extraordinarily few and far between. Yeah. Now, I guess my my, my take on that kind of is, is what if, this sounds really weird, but like what if that's the key to like, Jesus is real. Sure. But that's the key to talk to him, you know? And they figured that out way back then, and that's how they kind of did it, you know? You know, on that note, I I guess the the thing that, you know, to, to play along would be, you know, if you view reality as sort of a, sort of like a base frequency, right? Uh-huh. Like, like we are the uh, the imagers of God, right? The images of God, whatever. This is our realm, and this is what we see. But we also know that there are other realms that overlap ours mm-hmm. that we can't see, right? Right. So, like, angels and demons are here, but yeah. they're not always known, right? Right. Right. And so, this is what we're tuned into, and they're tuned into something else. So, you know, if, if, you know, I guess, you know, again, to play ball, if consciousness is, is a gift from God, you know, life, you know, can you fiddle with the dial on the radio to a, to a point where you, you tune into, to something else, even if it's only brief. And then the struggle there would be, you know, if you're scrolling through an AM radio, you get lots of static. Sometimes you get like three channels playing at once. You know, you don't really know what's going on. Uh-huh. We can't control that when we try to go into this other reality. But it doesn't mean that the other stuff isn't there. It's right. just you can't get a focus on it. And so that would separate us from things like, you know, I guess, again, in this context, you know, the angels or the demons. Because they are, according to this stuff, able to take on physical form in our reality and affect things in our reality, whereas we're not necessarily able to do the same in theirs. You got to ask yourself why. I mean, it's something I've always thought, like Mm -hmm. what you just said, because, you know, we do hear about um, uh, exorcisms and and whatnot and people possessed by demons and, and all that. And why can they do that? But we can't. 
You know, it's an interesting one, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on it, but I wonder, like, you know, this was supposed to be our realm and we're in control of it, but at some point early on, you know, the first people screwed it up, Uh and then at some point after that, the other beings came in and kind of took over because we were kind of reduced to the bottom, and they came over and, and, and took over on top of that. Yeah. And so... You know, from the religious, you know, Christian, Judeo-Christian religious perspective, uh, we're we're not meeting that threshold that we were originally supposed to to possess. And so, if there is an ability to do that, it's uh, to some degree or another been been removed from us because we required intervention to in order to get back to where we were, which is you know kind of the whole redemption arc. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It makes you wonder. It you know it makes you wonder about stuff like. Uh, you know, remote viewing or, you know, astral projection or oh, yeah. magic and stuff like that. Magic, you know, yeah. How, how real is this stuff? Is there, yeah. is, is there something there? Is there nothing there at all? And I think modern day would sort of like to say no to a lot of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to go back to like the people that were around, you know, BC that wrote these books, this stuff was all considered very, very real. And, and people that would claim to practice some of the, you know, the occult stuff, or whatever you want to call it today, they also view it as very, very real. And and even within the Bible, you know, when like Saul, he gets the spirit of Samuel to come back. And that's, you know, a taboo that you're not supposed to do. And you're not supposed to meddle in that stuff. So the implication there is that all that sort of paranormal woo is is very much real, right? And it's not that we are totally separated from it. It's just that that's not our domain that we are supposed to mess with. Much like it's not supposed to be, you know, the demon's domain to mess with our world, so yeah. to speak. But I guess if they're bad, they're going to, they don't care. Yeah. If demons are at, you know, at their, their nature is to just be evil, doing bad things. And sure. Like, well, we know we're not supposed to go do it, but we don't care. We're going to do it anyway. <clears throat> Which we have humans who do the same thing. Right. Know? I mean, I don't know. I, all that stuff. Like, I I love the, as, as goofy as Ancient Aliens is, I love watching that shit. Yeah. Well, I mean. I think the thought is what's interesting because there's so much that we that we don't know. It's like, mm-hmm. man, what what the hell was really going on? And like you said at the beginning, it's it's why. So so even like for me, you know, the Christian background, you look at like some of the pagan stuff and it's like, well, if these people were totally detached from any of the original, you know, sort of Jewish or Christian knowledge, how did they come to the conclusion that it was, you know, the sun god or mm-hmm. I had to build Stonehenge or you know, what what went on in those people's minds that made them build pyramids for whatever view of the afterlife? Like, yeah. what is the root of all of that? Mm-hmm. And even though we all get uh, almost all of the details different, you know, from, from religion to religion, th- there's obviously something in the base human experience that draws us to the, the, the supernatural. There, there must be something else going on that's that's bigger than all of us. And, you know, that, of course, you know, that's where you see the, you know, psychedelics and the shroom thing come in. Uh, I, I would say from, you know, my own background that, you know, it, biblically, it's it's that the truth is written on your heart. Mm-hmm. And so everybody indifferent of your, you know, I guess, adult conscious self, you are drawn to it because it's just part of you. Like if, if consciousness and all that came from God you are innately pointed in that direction whether you are aware of it or not. Okay. And so things yeah. might come and go throughout your life that draw you, 
you know, to the left or to the right or up or down or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all of that gets exhibited one way or another through one understanding or another. Huh. And I think that maybe is how you see religion. And that's why religion is such a universal thing, you know? I mean, it's not, you know, atheists try to tell you that the base human form is without religion, but I would say that history seems to tell you otherwise. That, yeah. that you are kind of the aberration because you live in a world where, you know, you don't necessarily have to be religious. And and that's one of the flaws in sort of the sort of Sam Harris atheist stuff is... You know, in all honesty, if there isn't, even just from a utilitarian standpoint, if there isn't something that keeps, you know, to just be really simple, uh, the alpha males from killing all the beta males because they can, then why would they? Like, they'll try to argue, well, because society, okay, well, then that society is going to just be Genghis Khan over and over and over again, because there's no incentive for Genghis Khan to not just have sex with all the women and kill everybody he doesn't like. Right, right. I mean, there's, there's nothing... There's no ramification for it. So I don't know how you have that worldview short of, you know, just the idea like the John Lennon song, Imagine. It's like, I mean, I can imagine, but like, yeah, that's it. It's imagination because that's never going to be reality because you're never going to be without just brainwashing everybody into the point of being sheep. You know, there's always going to be the sheepdog in the wolf. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Atheists kind of always... There, I don't know, because, you know, I, I've talked about it, being not a religious guy myself, but at the same time, I'm not atheist by any means. Um, probably more agnostic than anything, and I just don't... Athe- atheists aren't, in my opinion, atheists aren't, they, they say they're non-religious, but science is a religion. Yeah, it's its its own religion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, so... I religiously view the world as something that is not theistic. It's yeah. a religion. Religion is a behavior. Yeah, I think it's increasingly. Yeah, so. I, we've just kind of made it around the idea that it has to be has to be Christian or you know yeah. Judaism or Islam or Buddhism, you know, you, you name it. But yeah, that's interesting. We should we should we we could have a segment, a religious segment. Sure, religious slash aliens. Slash so so to go back towards like the aliens point. Uh, so like the Drake equation, right? What's that? I'd... So the Drake equation was a. Uh, uh, Francis Drake, I think that's a name to Google, and it's basically that the amount of civilizations in the universe is equal to, you know, it's like the the number of stars that are like the sun times the number of those, or d- divided by the number of those stars that have planets, divided by the number of those planets that are habitable, divided the number of those habitable planets that develop life, divided by the number of those planets that have intelligent life you know, divided or times or whatever the time that those intelligent life forms are able to broadcast into the universe. And so the point, you know, people look at that as like, well, scientists tried to claim something. Well, Drake didn't make that equation to say for sure that like, this is how we should look for it. He did it as a conversation starter. Like if we're going to think about life in the universe, there has to be some limitations to, to where we look. And so he boils it down to, well, the only thing we know is that we exist around a star like ours. So let's look for stars that are like ours, that have planets, that have planets in a habitable zone. Because if they're in a habitable zone, it means they might have life, but it doesn't mean all of them have life. And then out of the some of them that do have life, we need intelligent life, not just plants. Mm-hmm. And then we know from us, we've only been doing radio stuff and laser stuff for 50, 60 years, right? Yeah. It's, it's not like... 
you know, chimpanzees or elephants exist and they might be kind of intelligent, but they're not broadcasting. So, so if you're looking through something with a radio telescope, which is what SETI does, the search for extraterrestrial right, intelligence, the right. big satellite dishes you see, uh, you know, you're not going to find a planet with animals. You're looking for a planet with like humanoids or some form of intelligent stuff that is also searching space or, you know, inadvertently emitting something into space. Uh-huh. And, uh, so anyway, you come up with a number that says, you know, well, there there might be this many civilizations in the Milky Way. And then that's where you run into the debate of, is there a lot or is there really none? Like, like there's also a theory out there you could Google called Rare Earth that says that, man, this might be the only one. This, this might be such an aberration, you know, when you consider the radiation that's put off by suns or the, or the amount of asteroids that have hit all the other planets that earth is magically protected by because of Jupiter existing, you know? So maybe we need to add, is there a Jupiter in that solar system in, oh, between, big enough. in, yeah, bet- yeah. in between the sun, the habitable zone, and then Jupiter to yeah. protect those inner planets from strikes? And even then, look at the surface of Mars, look at the moon, look at Mercury. Like they're they're dominated by craters. So oh, you, you 100%. Have to, and then that's the other thing is, is even think about earth. I mean- Earth is relatively small in the context of the solar system, but we have, like, the biggest moon of, like, any of the planets. Like, what are the odds of that? And then the moon is basically kind of like this little orbiting force field. I mean, that's why it's covered in craters. And not that the Earth never gets hit, and part of it is because the Earth is a renewable surface, right? It's always moving, so the craters, you know, get lost over time. But it's like we have a giant outer shield in Jupiter, and then a much closer shield that is the moon. And maybe you have to have all those in order to make yeah, a planet. Yeah, so, so, so how crazy do the variables have to be? And so when I think about, uh, you know, aliens and UFOs and stuff like that, it's like, man, you see how crazy lucky stuff has to be to even get to where we are. You know, and then how vast the universe is. Uh, I'm open to the idea of aliens, absolutely. But I think no. I'm oh, I'm, really? a, I'm more of a fan of like rare earth like and the other one with sci-fi is even if there are aliens out there you know the sci-fi stories that well these crazy advanced aliens are going to come and they're going to take over your planet well and how do we know they're like, advanced well, sure and how do we know that those advanced aliens aren't us that we're ultimately going to be the ones to go out right uh, and be yeah. be confronted with the moral dilemma of hey we found you know, green cave people on this other planet that like don't even understand basic math and haven't discovered fire yet. Right. What do we do? Right. right. Hence, you know, Star Trek and the Prime Directive. You know, yeah. do, do you intervene or do you stay away? Yeah, I, I do believe there are some other life forms like intelligent like us. Just because I, you know, infinity, like it's there's an infinite amount of possibilities. Now, are they probably as rare as Earth? Sure, I don't think there's tons. I mean, just my opinion on it. Or I like to also go down the uh, path of different dimensions. Sure. <laughs> Excuse me. And maybe just this dimension is the dimension we live in. We also have the heaven dimension or realm or the the, the hell you know and the other it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's that's what i think when i when i go back earlier because one of the new hotnesses in sort of trust the science is is the multiverse idea mm-hmm. you know, in different dimensions and it's like you know science says this now and everybody's like all into it like you see it in marvel movies you know the multiverse you it, see it in, yeah, yeah. in all that stuff is, yeah. is catching on but it's like you know in all honesty religion has been talking about 
multiverse in one form or another oh. since it started. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and, has, and that's that's been a thing. And yeah. like it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a mathematical explanation, but it's it's an idea that people have had forever. Mm-hmm. That like, what is reality? Yeah. Right? And our reality, it might be different from something else's reality. But it doesn't mean those two things don't interact in some way. It's just that our understanding of that interaction might be limited, right? So if God is sitting outside the universe, so to speak, or everywhere in the universe, you know, both, uh, what does that mean? And, how, and how, do, how would you understand that? Like, how can two things overlap but never come in contact? Yeah. Well, this kind of goes into what you're talking about a little bit as far as realities. And I can't remember who said this, and I, I forget what podcast I was listening to. but. The guy was talking about, uh, we'll, we'll talk about video games, for an instance. And I'm sorry for whoever said this, this is the, to credit to them. Um, but like Grand Theft Auto, you got a little world, okay, you know, on the map. and Profound conversation, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you, you got Grand Theft Auto and you can do everything inside that little, little world, mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> so how do we know? Well, no, okay, so we got that. Let's go back to, let's go back to like Donkey Kong. You know, that, that. What you could do in Donkey Kong at the time was just a few things, and it was limited to this. But video games have gotten more advanced and advanced and advanced and advanced. How do we know now we're just not in something like that? We just can't tell the difference. Well, and that would be the other question is, what's the difference? Right. right? It, yeah. Like, like, it is, like, at that point, like is if, there. If your reality is, is a simulation created by somebody else, yeah. that's no different than saying that God created the universe, but he can also break the rules of physics. Well, if he's the one controlling the programming, then yeah. what is reality? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, you know, on that multiverse note, too, that's the one I would say with within science, even when they say multiverse, it's it's really kicking the can down the road because science is claiming that I can present you with math and facts to describe everything that you see and therefore atheism or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's the pie in the sky. <clears throat> well, when they invoke the multiverse, which is increasingly popular, it's 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 kicking the can down the road. Because the thing is, if you point towards a multiverse or a parallel dimension, by nature, that extra dimension is not testable and it is not explainable by science because it is outside the bounds of your physics, even if you have a grand unified theory of your physics. Right. So they're basically ending up at God, so to speak, right. without saying God, but 100%. then arguing that, well, it's true because X, Y, Z. Well, your explanation just stopped because you're unable to explain the next. And so you end up at a point where it's, again, it becomes a faith belief hmm, because yeah. they can't actually explain it to you. They can say, like, even if we did figure out that there is another dimension, well, then how do you say the other dimension isn't just what people have said about angels and demons and heaven and hell all along? Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah, right. And, and you don't. The difference is religion will tell you we don't understand that spiritual world, but science is telling you that we're supposed to understand it, but we can't. But if and, you, it, and by nature, science doesn't apply anymore because our rules aren't testable beyond a certain limit. Right. So it's bullshit. And if you want to get into, well, you got <laughs> this is kind of funny because let's say that they're trying to explain that there is a multiverse. Well, we can't prove that there is or isn't, but have, just have faith in us that there is. Yeah. That's religion. Yeah, I mean, that's fucking religion, 100%. right there. And so believe was, us, believe us, because we, we, you know, we, yeah. So that's, yeah. And, and you know, I would point to even uh, some of the climate stuff now. Is you know, when you think about it, climate change is basically increasingly in pop culture. It's heaven and hell. Oh God, yes. Because it, it's it's fix and save the environment, and it's heaven. 
and it's you know do nothing and you have hell. We have Mad Max. Yeah, but what is what is the thing that controls if the environment is good or bad? Well, in pop culture, it's government, right? It's it's yeah. Green New Deal. It's policies. It's 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 some AOC. control. Yeah. Now, whether you like it or not, that's not my point. My point is, you you all realize the religious framework of this and why it appeals to people, whether it's true or not. Oh yeah. It's it's using the same mechanisms to to apply control, mm-hmm. and I think that that's why disproportionately you see the people that latch on to those things tend to be less specifically religious and more just kind of culturally religious. Like, you know, if that makes any sense, uh, cultural Christianity versus somebody who actually goes to church, right? right like like right. you celebrate Christmas and Easter, you know, you have an Easter egg hunt and you have Christmas presents, but you're not religious, right? It's those people gravitate towards climate shit because it, it checks that religion box and they'll never admit that and they wouldn't explicitly say that and they might not even think that but that's it fills the same void you know it, it's almost like if you don't pick a religion mm-hmm. one's going to get assigned to you oh, like there's going to yeah. be something that falls in that gap and i i you know i look at it increasingly as that's what it is well they say you got to believe in something sure i mean well because otherwise what's the point right we're going right. to devolve back to the you know uh I'm bigger and stronger than the next guy, so why do I have to deal with his shit? I'm just going to kill him all. Yeah, the answer is I don't. I can do what I want. So, you know, toxic masculinity. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Toxic masculinity. We're going to get so much hate for this podcast. Yeah, I'm going to love it. It's fun. One star reviews. Yeah. (laughs) Give us all of them. Well, hey, just pitch it on Parlor and Gab. (laughs) We're going to have to do that. You know, and that's sad because I, I feel like I've... Made an effort to pitch it as, and dude, this isn't left or right. This is just like thought. Yeah, and that's the thing why is, like, is this illegal? We it's only tends to be illegal on like the modern left for whatever reason. It's not yeah. that all lefties are like that. It's just that no. they're the ones who like, oh my god, you said climate change is semi-religious. That's ridiculous. And it's well, like, oh cool, you sound just like the Christian you're you're accusing of being. Oh my god, you think this gay shit has to do with religion? Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like. Yeah, I'm not saying either of you is right or wrong. It's not my point. My point is just like, look at who's being the thought police now. Exactly. You know? Well, and you know, in oh, whenever progressivism really became a huge deal, um, this came from Dave Rubin. I listened to his last book, and he, he's a he's a he's a leftist. He's a liberal, and he's not a leftist. He's a liberal, and like classical liberals are they're they're few and far in between these yeah. days. You know, a, a, a classical liberal promotes uh, free thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, freedoms, uh, these progressives are real more like regressives, actually. And he talks about it in his book in 100%. tons of detail. And, you know, he's a left-wing gay dude, yet he had, he didn't agree with the norm, and all of a sudden he starts getting shut down. He's yeah. like, well, no, I'm, I'm gay, and I'm, they're like, you know, so if you have a different opinion than these progressives, then you're... A communist or a fascist or a yeah racist or or something. And then the irony is they're the ones calling you the fascist. Exactly. Like the, you guys are like the, literally being yeah, fascist. We came full circle. <laughs> so speaking of gay guys with uh, you know good thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, you know recent news: Glenn Greenwald. Yeah. He's, he's the guy that Ed Snowden gave the the leaks to about the government spying on people that everybody loves to listen to on Neil deGrasse Tyson or he's been on Joe Rogan or he wrote a book or yeah. yada 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 and. uh Glenn Greenwald is a gay man in Brazil. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And he 
ended up leaving the news outlet that he started. Oh, I because yeah, I heard the own it. editors that ended up kind of you know having their role in the company wouldn't publish a paper or a, an article that he wanted to publish, even though in his contract with that company that he started says that he has his own editorial power, and he was basically being critical of Joe Biden by basically saying that hey, this Hunter Biden stuff is shady and it's yeah. worthy of investigation, or hey. Joe Biden supported the war in Iraq that, you know, 10 years ago, everybody on the left was rightfully against. And that Joe Biden is basically a return of this sort of terrible American establishment, neocon, neoliberal, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. of that and being critical of that. And he's not endorsing Trump. I mean, anybody who thinks Glenn Greenwald is like sitting here like endorsing Trump is is just absurd because he's not doing that at all. He's just he's having some freaking principles. In he's calling thanking. crap as he sees it. Yeah. But he's, he's free thinking. Yeah. You're, you're not allowed to do that anymore, increasingly, and it's only on the left. And, and the irony is they've spent the last 40 years in this country accusing that of being the behavior of people on the right. And it's not that they're wrong in all cases. It's just that, man, they don't see the pot calling the kettle black. No. And, and the balance of cultural power is such at the moment that the left is the ones in the driver's seat. And they're... Steering us to the left, which is, you know, into the oncoming traffic and eventually off the road and into the ditch. But they don't see that. No, right. And it's it's just, it's ridiculous. Well, and one thing, too, is, you know, we're talking about this. That is, that's bad. That is very bad. When we start taking free speech and you start censoring it and monitoring it, choosing what you want to be out there. And, and, you know, like this should be a wake up call when something like that happens to him or Dave Rubin two left wing dudes. I mean, gay dudes who are they're left wing. They they can't speak their mind. You know, that should be a wake up call. But no, because it's not happening to those people. Their speech isn't censored yet. But when their speech gets censored, it's gone too far. Yeah. We're, the right, the right. There's the, the and libertarians and pro freedom. You know, those kind of people, their speech is being censored. Right. And just the left, well, it's not happening to them right now, so they don't give a shit. When it happens to us, we'll take care of the problem. No, the problem's here. And it went, once it does, it gets down to that road, we've lost, which we're already losing anyway. Yeah, we are. And I, you know, one thing that I look at is the, it's again, public education, it's kids. Mm-hmm. The, the left is destroying it. And, yep. and one thing I see is, you know, like in places like California where they, they start pushing this sex education pronoun shit onto like kids that are in the second and third grade. It's yeah. just, it's absurd. Like everybody knows that like sex is a natural thing, but it's at what age do you start pushing a dogma onto that? Because that's what it is. You either have, uh, we don't even have to get into that much of it. It's just like everybody, every parent knows that like, okay, yeah, I'm with my wife or whoever. You know, this mm-hmm. isn't something that I do in front of my child because right. they're not emotionally or intellectually mm-hmm. ready for this. Mm-hmm. And what the left and people who support that crap, I guess, must not be thinking is like they expose it to them through literature or a teacher or some kind of an authority figure. But the ki- kids aren't – they're just not ready for it. No. And, and it, it fucks them up long haul and it's not good. And then I would even go so far as to tie that into the idea of – uh, what is normal and what is abnormal in, in terms of like, you know, the alphabet people and, you know, the normal, you know, heterosexual people. And I don't mean normal and like it's good or it's bad. I just mean statistically normal people are not gay. 
gay people are not normal. No, normal 100%. is a mathematical term. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily making a judgment on it. It's just how do you have society if you, if you I don't I don't even know. I'm just going to get in too much trouble if I keep talking. So a part of me is like even just fucking throwing the towel cuz you're never going to win. Yeah, well, I don't know. This podcast, we're going to get in trouble a lot on this podcast, but that's yeah. okay. And you know what what's funny is me and Wade we both have conservative views. Him being more religious than myself, but what's, what's irony is that those conservative views, I think, would be better stated as civil libertarian or that's classical liberal. Yes, hundred percent. It's, it's just that yeah. it's just that those things now suddenly it's yeah. the only place left. Like I had somebody on the left tell me that, well, the Democrats have become kind of a big tent party. Blah blah blah. Well, yeah, they're a big tent in terms of like you know Dave Chappelle's alphabet people. They yeah. all think the same thing. They uh-huh. might look different, but they're all going the same direction. Big tent means you can have dissenting opinions. And to me, that's more, unfortunately, that's kind of become something that is only happens on like the center right. And, and I would, even as far as you want to go, like the, the, that group of people is increasingly shrinking where, uh-huh. you know, I can have a dissenting opinion about you know, X, Y, or Z, and it's okay, because, like, I don't hate you for it. Like, do whatever you want, dude. I just, I wonder what the long-term outcome of this war against the nuclear family and the normative stuff, right. or, like, uh, I just... We're, we're, we're big fans of freedom. Yeah. You know, do you, you do what makes you happy. I don't... We could go into well, what's well, good for society. Or even, but... like, like freaking... So, the outrage on, like, Joe Rogan over Spotify. Like, he has Alex Jones on. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, Alex Jones, the thing that kills me about the Alex Jones stuff is Alex Jones was never in the mainstream until the mainstream just started picking on Alex Jones. They brought him into mainstream. Yeah. And then I think a lot more people realized that Alex Jones is entertaining. And so he becomes sort of a, a household name because it's entertainment and it's wild and it's wacky. Oh, absolutely. But then I'll be damned if for every wacky thing Alex Jones says... There's something on there that's, it's not necessarily totally true. It's, it's kind of true. Oh, yeah. A lot of shit he says is true. Yeah. I mean. Or at least it gets you thinking. Oh, yeah. And, and so you yeah. realize that as much as it might be, you know, performance art, you know, the outrage and the, oh, I'm Alex Jones. Is, uh, it taps into something. Uh-huh. And then so somebody like Rogan, who's, he's a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Who, who used to do a TV show, right? And he's just talking to somebody. Yeah. And he's a left-wing guy. Like, for, really any, for anybody who thinks that he's like, oh, this conservative guy, like... Rogan's not at yeah. all. Go go watch an interview with him and, and libertarian candidate for governor of New York a few years ago, Larry Sharp. Yes, I like, yeah. And, and you will see straight-up Democrat Joe Rogan. Yeah. I mean, he... Or Gad Sad, which, was, which yeah. was a recent one that he had. Gad Sad is straight liberal. I mean, even Jordan Peterson, right? He just drew a line at the Canadian government dictating that you can get fined or thrown in jail for using the wrong pronoun. He just refused to cower to the basically infringement on free speech, which, you know, he used makes, to be him, a liberal makes him a civil libertarian at best. That yeah. is not like traditional conservative where it's like, you said something that you can't say in the church on Sunday, which is what kind of conservative traditionally was, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, they're just, the left is pushing all those people out. And so now suddenly... The appearance is that, well, it must be the conservative tent that's really big, you know? And I think that some of that is because people are dual thinkers. You know, it's either yes or no. And so if they're not on the left, they must be on the right. But I think what they're doing is they're 
Maybe we finally are creating that third-party attitude in the free world in America. I think we are. I don't, honest to God, I don't know many, like, straight conservative people. Like, 100% true conservatives. Most of them are like, hey, leave me alone. You do what you want to do. I want to have guns. A lot of them want to smoke pot. Okay, whatever. You know, they, they just want to be left alone. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what Republicans used to be. A lot of them did. Now they've kind of gone into this weird socialist Republican. You know, and that attitude is, is also what makes... That, that's why you see so many leftists in the street and you don't see conservatives in the street mm-hmm. is because of that get off my lawn mentality. Like, yeah. like the whole Gadsden flag with the rattlesnake. Yeah. Where it says, don't tread on me. Like, rattlesnakes don't exist in herds. It's It's just, it's leave me alone and we're fine. Yeah. And so that becomes a problem for conservatives in the free speech stuff, because if those are the last people that really, truly believe in it, mm-hmm. well, just by nature of who they are, they don't get up in groups and view things as a collective. So right, like, right. we disagree amongst each other on, well, how conservative are you or, or how right wing are you or yeah. where do you draw the line with, you know, gay issues or abortion or, or whatever. And so we don't unify, but we also don't really have an incentive to unify because I don't care. Right. Like, like you live in a neighborhood, but you're not necessarily palling around with your neighbor. It's like you no. got a privacy fence. It's like, dude, you do you and I do me. And as long as like we're not hurting each other, cool. Exactly. This is my property line. I'm going to mow it. You mow your property line. And we're good. Right, right. And and that's why that's why the left controls culture. Because, because conservatives don't get together and say, well, we don't like this, so we're going to do something about it. And there's there's loud people that whine about it, but there's you don't see the action like you do on the left. You, oh, no. You, you, very don't, true. you don't see like, well, we have to insert more of a certain looking person into movies or into TV or into radio, or we have to introduce this program into schools. Conservatives just by nature is like, do whatever you want, man. Just don't cross these lines. And then as you cross these lines, you see some conservatives whine, but not all conservatives. And therefore, there's never enough conservatives on any given issue to push back against that sort of leftist mob. But I wonder if we're getting to a point where, you know, if you just think in broad terms of like something like Antifa, where they don't even believe in the idea of private property. That's like a pretty basic thing. Like now you're crossing a line that all conservatives say should not be crossed. And that's, I think, when you're going to see the pushback and to tie into the earlier political stuff. That's almost where we are, it seems like. Like, if you, dude, you guys keep pushing this, you're going to get to a point where even people who disagree amongst themselves about all kinds of issues is like, this is the line in the sand. Uh, well, and, the clo- and the closest we get to that, that group mob, um, whatever collective is Trump rallies. Yeah. Those are, and, and you know, I guess if there's one thing Trump did that's good for the conservative side is he got them to leave their house. Sure. And start thinking together. You know, <laughs> and the, the interesting thing is going to be, does that continue in some fashion? Because uh-huh. we saw that in 2008 and 12 with like the Tea Party thing, right? A little bit, yeah. And, but then that disappeared. It's gone. It did, yeah. And, and so now that it kind of became the Trump thing. Yeah. And, you know, what happens from there? And I think that the left has pushed the boundary with the pronoun war and the free speech stuff and, you know, the alphabet stuff so far. And, and we, I think, you know, they may have gotten rid of Trump, but they just unleashed Trumpism. Yeah, very true. And I think it comes down to, we've all kind of like, you know, took the uh, the pronoun thing. Okay, all right. And, you know, when you start messing with people's property and people's actual livelihood, like they're yeah. com- like that is definitely. Uh-uh. Right. 
No. Well, it's like, so, okay, you want to pass a policy that says a college has to have a racial quota. Okay, fine. I can live with it. Yeah. You want to pass a policy that says a company has to do affirmative action when it comes to, you know, hiring or who's on their board of directors. Sure. Okay, that's fine. You want to start pushing pronouns on my five-year-old? Line in the sand. Yep. You know what I mean? And oh, I, yeah. I think that's what we're, yeah. we're starting to see. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm necessarily even for or against it. It's just, folks, this is reality. Like, like you're at that point where that line in the sand exists. Yeah. And so I think you're going to see a bigger push for uh, school choice on a lot of stuff. Um, I'm so supportive of that. I mean, and I would say again to, to people who frown on like the pronoun thing, it's like, okay, you wouldn't have sex with whoever your partner is in front of your three-year-old, would you? Because right. that's basically what you're doing when you start introducing this stuff to five-year-olds. You're putting that image in their mind. You're just stopping short of doing it physically. Yeah. And everybody agrees that that's not right and it's not healthy for them because they're not ready for it, period. And, right. And that's it. That's the line in the sand. And so I think that's, you know, we, so amongst us, our ring of friends, you know, uh -huh. I, I kind of took a position that like, so yeah, on the conservative side of stuff, there's this big, you know, anti-pedophilia movement. And I, I view that as like the ultimate virtue signaling of the right, in a sense. And I'm not saying that like it's wrong because it's not wrong and you should be against pedophilia 100% of the time. Uh -huh, it's yeah. just that I, I frame that as like the ultimate epitome of this line in the sand. And uh -huh. it's tied into the pronoun stuff even because it's how does this attitude affect children, right? Which is on the right, right? Children are... It's well, in general, children should be sacred. If you fuck with kids, you deserve to die. Yeah. And so if if pedophilia is like the epitome of the evils in that regard, then it can cover for everything. It can, it's it's now us against the satanic human trafficking pedophiles. Right. And so it's a virtue signal in the sense that like it's a rallying cry. It, it's like a universal statement that transcends everybody that says, hey, we're drawing the line at this bullshit right here. Right. Now, how much of it is real? How much of it is made up is kind of irrelevant because because you've made it into like this sort of weird battle cry thing. And there's people with varying degrees of understanding in it. But I would point to the part of the reason that it's so popular is because of this kind of subversive war on children that we see happening in public education where they're just, you know, rather than trying to teach your kid basic math and reading, they start introducing this, you know, social sociology humanities studies crap on them at an early age where, you know, in all honesty, college makes a big push to that because they profitize it. They make money off people getting degrees and bullshit things. Uh -huh. But the reality is all of those subjects are basically personal hobbies. Like if you want to really study something or live your life a certain way, you do that as an adult. You don't start pushing that on five-year-olds because five-year-old just needs to learn how to do math and read so that they can be a functional adult. Uh -huh. Not a yeah. religious zealot who believes in these abstract ideas. That's that's what you form later in life. Yeah, in my opinion. No, no, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, the the virtue signaling of the, uh, you know, and I don't want people to think that I'm supporting pedophilia by any means, but the the vir <laughs> the virtue signaling of these, you know, it goes back to empty platitudes. Like I'm, you know, uh it's bad. It requires no risk on your part. Exactly. Yeah. It, I, I'm against it. Well, yeah, we're all against it. I'm against the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. But when's, the, when's the last time you saw one? Yeah. You didn't. Exactly. And, you know, these... But we could go down virtue signaling. That's all... Oh, that, that shit annoys me on any side. Go do something. Quit just saying stuff. 
Well, and so in the context of politics as religion and virtue signaling, that's really what it is. And so if people really want to argue, you know, to like religion and culture, uh, I think you see that in America. I would sum it up as sort of cultural Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all sort of vaguely have this Judeo-Christian worldview that we've built on the backs of that religious view. But we know that lots of people are not particularly religious. They're agnostic and they might celebrate, you know, Christmas and Easter, but they don't go to church and they don't necessarily believe or read the Bible or whatever. Uh But culturally, that's become kind of the underpinning. So in a sense, it's become kind of a virtue signal that, you know, I'm an American because of X, Y, and Z tradition, even if I don't necessarily know the roots of it. Right. And so the current woke stuff is basically... That virtue signaling is trying to get to where it replaces what I would call cultural Christianity, where nobody's necessarily a devout leftist, you know, socialist, but everybody kind of vaguely adheres to the ideas of, you know, there shouldn't be private property and, you know, all this woke stuff and pronouns just as kind of a general platitude, even if they don't in their own life, you know, push this stuff onto their children personally, they're kind of just okay with it in general. So that... That religion is trying to p- replace the religion that we've had for the last so often. And then I think that's kind of where the culture war is at. Uh-huh. You know, you have people that are being pushed out of one side and onto the other side, right? I wonder if there's going to be a real civil war ever. Makes you wonder. I saw a yeah. thing in the, I forget what publication it was, but they had like a political stress index and it was all voodoo and witchcraft and is it real and is it not? Who knows? Oh, yeah, but sure. the way they, they framed it was that there is more of a negative attitude than there was at the time of the actual American Civil War. And if you look at the things that led up to the American Civil War, it started when this country became a country in the first place. Uh Uh, The slave stuff, it it boiled over a period of like 50 years. And even everybody loves to say, oh, Thomas Jefferson had slaves. He's terrible. Thomas Jefferson struggled intellectually with that hugely. Like he, he wanted to do away with that in like a, Virginian stuff, but you have to realize at the time, it wasn't even legal to free a slave. So so there was no capacity, if you're going to live within that societal framework, to even do that. But you have the, you know, Jefferson gets rid of the international slave trade, right? And then, uh, you know, there becomes, are there free states or are there slave states? And... I don't know, you just, you kind of go from there and eventually those tensions spill over into an actual conflict. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I just often wonder if we're going to have a real civil war, or if it's going to be we all just decide maybe one day to split. I don't, I don't know if the split thing will happen because I think the people for the powers that be are too power hungry and they yeah. don't want to let anything they go. Won't let it go. Yeah, we there are tons of people would just be like, well, go back to the, the the conservative, leave me alone. You guys go do your thing, we'll do our thing. There's so many people like that, but the the people in power. Well, no, we're not going to give up half the United States or a third of the United States. To, right. Well, it really is probably only a quarter at best of the people yeah. that think like this. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's well, in the settings of states now, too, is, is very different because, you know, back then you might have had entire states that felt one way or the other. But now oh. you have every state has, you know, left wing and right wing, even if it's yeah. just one or two cities. Like, like if you look at that electoral map of Pennsylvania. You oh, have, absolutely. You know, that Pennsylvania area is uh-huh. hard blue and the rest of it's hard right. So. Uh, how would that dis- dissolution look, right? Yeah. Like, like even if, let's say, Pennsylvania seceded, well, the bulk of the population in Pennsylvania 
in Philadelphia isn't going to be cool with that. So what are you going to have like a civil war within a civil war? Like it would just right. be so ridiculously messy. Yeah. You know, what do you do? And that, that's kind of the unprecedented nature of our time is that we're not confronted with an outright moral issue in the sense of slavery because to compare anything to slavery is it's kind of dumb because no, no, nobody's owning another person at this point no period they're not they're not removing your humanity card you might not like the way they treat you in this circumstance or the other circumstance but you're not a you're not you're, you're not a, slave. a slave to capitalism <laughs> right yeah they have to pull some vague shit like that yeah i mean we're all slaves on the tax plantation yeah no like shit like everybody yep. wants to be against big government in general i'm all for that and i'm on your team but you yeah know, that's not what most people think so. right 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 so uh we can t- no, go ahead so election stuff yeah <laughs> i know i was waiting yeah i mean i have to and yeah <laughs> i've thought I mean, Biden's Biden has, is going to win. Right? <clears throat> wow. Even if you think or believe that there is shitloads of fraud, the problem with that is in order to prove that, you would have to have, you know, the, the millions or thousands of ballots that are fake presented to court to say, hey, mm-hmm. I really won the election because of all of this fraud. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to get them to go back through a re-election process. Because constitutionally, even if you could say there was a, you know, a lot of leadership that screwed this up. Come January 20th, if there isn't somebody picked, it would go to the House of Representatives and they would pick, right? Yeah. So it would end up being Biden anyway. Right. So I don't know. I mean, some of this stuff is worth pursuing because obviously fraud's a bad thing and it has to be, you know, ironed out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of the grand conspiracy stuff, you know, is... uh. A bit much, you know. I mean, I, I mean, I think there is a lot of problems and a lot of things that are wrong, but like, it's such a. I don't know. I mean, there's so. I mean, we brought up the cult thing in the last episode. There's so many people that are so diehard on it. It's like you know, at the end of the day. I mean, Trump screwed up his first debate, and people have been yeah. bitching about the tweet thing forever. And then one thing that I think people miss is because we're looking at like Michigan, Wisconsin. Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, and seeing that there's this lopsided vote. Like in the popular vote, you know, the story is that Biden got more votes than Obama. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's true, but it's really only true in these specific swing states. So if you look at that from a conspiracy mindset, it's like, oh, wow, that's convenient. But it's also kind of true because if you listen to uh, uh, Philip Klein, one of the, used to be an attorney general in Kansas, mm-hmm. he's actually one of the lead guys doing a bunch of lawsuits related to this election. But uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, they spent a whole crap pile of cash on this election. And it was to expand ballot access and polling stations in all of these places. But they were done strategically. So Philadelphia, Detroit, Houston, Atlanta, Phoenix, all the swing states. And they went for the big liberal cities and particularly Pennsylvania. I mean, people don't realize that there's something like seven or eight hundred thousand more registered Democrats in Pennsylvania than there are Republicans. Holy shit. But historically, lots of people don't vote. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you get all those people voting, it becomes you know, impossible for a Republican to win that place, even though all those people live in, say, you know, Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so what they did, and a lot of this comes from uh, David Plouffe, who was, I think, Obama's campaign manager. And, you know, he wrote a book about it. I can't remember the title off the top of my head. 
But he was basically saying if you could get the turnout in these cities, yada, 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 you'd be unstoppable. And lo and behold, they found somebody, you know, Zuckerberg and company, to give them a bunch of money to do this. And so everybody's surprised at these vote totals and it looks shady. And I get that. And I think it's worth investigating. I'm not saying there's no fraud. I'm just saying I don't know if the fraud is going to be the thing that determines yes or no here. Well, I don't know how you even... How do you go prove it? You know, I know they want to keep seeing on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else the watermark thing. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't think, I think that's fake. I don't don't believe it. I mean, I get that maybe the ballot, like an official ballot has some kind of marking like a dollar bill does. But like, you know, the premise of the, the watermark conspiracy is that the Department of Homeland Security intentionally did this special Watergate just to catch them printing fraudulent ballots. And it's like, so you're at the same time telling me that the deep state, which consists of these intelligence agencies and runs lifelong intelligence people and lifelong politicians like Biden at the top of it, was too stupid to know that. And they printed millions of fake ballots and passed them all around the country. But, oh, the Patriots in control of the DHS, you know, those guys figured it out. Well... I mean, that's not really how elections work because they're all controlled at the state level. And you're telling me if somebody's willing to go so far as to, you know, inadvertently overthrow the, or in, not inadvertently, but overthrow an election in the United States that, I mean, that's going to be the thing they trip on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a pretty big oversight. It, te- it seems to me that's more like, that's more a cue is, uh, oh shit. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm done. You know, I don't, I don't, well, they're not going to be done. No, he's but, never done. Yeah. It's like, oh no, you know, we're. We're coming up on, you know, Trump's no longer going to be the president. And, uh, yeah. And, well, I, I and again, that... it's not saying that there's no fraud. In, in a back to where I was talking about the, the effort that they put into these big liberal cities. Like, Philadelphia had something like 790 more polling stations in this election than they did in 2016. So, there is going to be a disproportionate vote from people that are disproportionately you know, voting one way. And I'm not trying to make a political statement here of, you know, pro-Trump or pro-Biden. I'm just trying to say, like, I mean, it's shady. It's worth investigating. But at the mm-hmm. same time, there are reasons that this is plausible. I mean, because at this point, even if you threw out a couple million votes, Biden's still the president. And so the burden yeah. becomes in court. How do you prove, like, if you're, if you're saying that there's this much fraud, how would you prove that there's that much fraud? I right. mean, you're going to have to yeah. show that all these voting machines were rigged. All these ballots were faked, and that's not going to be possible outside of a few anecdotal things. And so people will take from that whatever they want to believe. Like, if you're really diehard on it, you'll think that it was illegitimate. And if you think it's all bullshit, you know, you won't believe any of it. And so hence back to the the cult thing. And, you know, I got a brother who's more left-wing, and that's kind of, you know, he views this as like a big victory for oh yeah Biden all, and such yeah oh yeah 100%. Well, and even then, let's say we let's say they do decide to investigate it to the fullest extent. And they're going to dump millions and millions and millions of dollars into this investigation. Well, Inauguration Day, what, January 11th? Isn't that the day? Uh, 20th, I think. Oh, sorry. Okay. There has to be the new president or yeah. the winner in the White House at that time. So if we don't have anybody, then Pelosi. Speaker of the House, yeah. Yeah, Pelosi takes over. Speaker of the House takes over. Which, do we want that? <laughs> right. Well, in Speaker of the House. it would be temporary, but still. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, the thing that people don't really grasp either. Because I hear this whole the transition of power, you know, will Trump leave the White House? And it's like, I hate that because it shows that people don't understand how government and how the Constitution works. Because the thing is, come January 20th, regardless of if Trump refuses, you know, he locks himself in the Oval Office, 
his signature carries no legal weight. Exactly. It, it doesn't matter at that point. Physically, Biden yeah. would be president even if he was sitting in a Motel 6, you know, here in the worst part of downtown. He's he's <laughs> he's legitimately the president. So yeah. the idea of this transition of power as if there's like a magical sword that they got to hand off ridiculous. Is, is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it is. I. <laughs> but they push that. And I think that's part of the kind of the broader, I, I would say you know, statist kind of mentality that is both on the left and the right. It's a nonpartisan sort of view of government's role in society. The the idea that there's this transition of power, right? As if it's this magical thing. And mm-hmm. It's it's not. I mean it's it's all legalisms. And, and midnight so, that that you know, midnight on the twentieth, it's right. done. It's midnight, done. Yeah, yeah. On that Trump can't tell the army to do anything. That's it's just it's over. I don't I don't know. I think a lot of that when I hear that is People, you know, they don't like Trump have made him into a, uh, like an, a legit authoritarian. Yeah. And that's part of their, you know, their idea that he's going to stay in the White House. And yeah, physically, I guess he could. Someone would go remove him. But I mean, physically, he could say, I'm not going to leave and pout like a baby. It still doesn't mean anything, like you just said. Yeah. It doesn't oh, mean I, a damn I told thing. my brother, though, that the thing that I thought would happen, because things are so divided, is... So when Trump beat Hillary, you heard a lot of people saying, not my president, not my president, about mm-hmm. Trump for oh, yeah. you know, a few years. Well, that's going to get worse now, except it's going to be the right bitching about the left. Oh, God. And so this is going to be more divisive, yeah. you know, politically, not that it like really affects your daily life, you know, if you get off of Twitter. Uh, but I think that attitude's probably, it's the new normal, right? <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> well, you know, one thing, too, we've, why have we decided... To put that much into one guy, it, you know, we, we, me and you've talked about this in the last podcast, and we're probably going to talk about it a lot, but the 50 states. Yeah, 350 50, million people. Yeah, the 50 individual governments, those should hold more power than the federal government, in a sense. And I don't get, people have like, they, they forget, like, no, we're one country. No, we're not. You know, we, yeah, we are one country, but we are 50 individual countries. Right. And we just got this one big, you know, but it's, I... I get so tired of people like, I don't care. You know, really, it shouldn't matter two differences of Biden's president or, or whatever. Right. Because our state government should have more power. And stuff. Well, and the executive but, branch has, you know, limited power to begin right. with. Exactly. There's a lot of stuff they can't do. I mean, they can say stuff on TV, uh-huh. but they can't pass, you know, they can't introduce legislation. You know, obviously their party follows along, but they can't, the president can't spend money, Congress spends money. The president can't do a lot of things, even when it comes to cultural policy. I mean, there's executive actions they can do, but those executive actions are limited to executive branches of government. So mm-hmm. things like, you know, the EPA or the DEA or whatever. And uh, even even some of this court nonsense, you know, one thing that I think about a lot is so much of political discourse is, are, are you pro-abortion or are you against abortion? Are you mm-hmm. pro-guns or are you against guns? Are you pro-gay marriage or are you against gay marriage? And the thing is, all of those things have have hinged on court cases, and that's really not the role of the Supreme Court or what it's supposed to be. Those are supposed to be legislature issues. So Congress mm-hmm. could pass an amendment or a law that says gay marriage is okay across the board, and then that's it. And the Supreme Court can't overturn that just because, because that's Congress's job is to pass laws and make laws. The right. Supreme Court only overthrows Congress when Congress says, you can't say the word flying spaghetti monster mm-hmm. or some, you know, so, something that they deem is a impingement on free speech. You know, the Supreme court can say you can't do that because it's an infringement on whatever. Right. Exactly. But now we live in a world where something like uh, abortion, you know, without me saying that I, you know, hold one view or the other, 
is Congress is supposed to legislate, and then the court rules whether that thing stands. And so, in the absence of the federal Congress taking up that legislation, everybody's viewpoint on that issue is now contingent on the court. And so now we've made the court this inflammatory, is it left-wing, is it right-wing, are they going to pack it, are they not going to pack it, when that's not really how any of this is supposed to work. No. Like, if the court didn't rule on Roe versus Wade at all, abortion would be a state's issue, right? Yeah. So, like, in somewhere like Kansas, you'd probably be pro-life. In California, yeah. it would be pro-choice. And, and you know, to, to varying degrees, there would yeah. be, it's legal all the way up till birth, it's only legal in the first 10 weeks. But that's that's kind of the argument, like... Kansas is supposed to be Kansas, and California is supposed to be Kansas, and Oklahoma, and Pennsylvania, and you know, on and on and on and on. Yeah. Well, people frown on that over, you know, equal treatment stuff. And, and I understand some of that, but we have to get away from this massive national thing because that's what's slowly killing us. And, and that's why you see yeah. that this, you know, the coastal elites or, you know, the Midwest people are, we're different. Yeah. And we should be allowed to be different. Right. As long as nobody's getting shot or stabbed or, you know, denied free speech or something. And it, it, I think a lot of it comes down to is, you know, people living in Kansas. They want it to be like California, you know, <clears throat> I go to California. Fuck, man. Like, I, I can't stand like, tell you know, California is moving to Texas. And we, we talked about this last podcast, but, you know, they they're going to Texas because they're tired of the way. The taxes are in California, and they're kind of their authoritarian governor, and you name it. Well, then they're moving down to Texas and making it into California. It's like, why can't you fucking idiots just pick one? Th these people over here can't be conservative. You don't want to be conservative. I mean, you're gay brother. You know, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. I think it was yesterday. It's like, go move somewhere else and nobody's stopping you. Right. You said, vote with your feet. Agree. Go live in that place. It's like that. Quit trying to turn every fucking state in this country into California because it's all they're trying to do. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't, man. Well, I, and, and that's why I bring up the legislature thing because, you know, obviously there's always going to be some lowest denominator of people that, you know, doesn't have the ability to leave. I, I understand that, but that's mm -hmm. just part of life. I mean, it is. It sucks it is. to say sometimes, but that's just how it is. But that's vote, mean, Wade. You can't say yeah, that. Yeah. The vote with your feet thing is. I mean, if you think one of these 50 experiments is better than the other 49, why would you not be there, mm -hmm. right? And then why, if you're the if you're saying that you believe in, you know, tolerance or freedom or whatever, why would you then take your view and it's, you know, like, like they will accuse, the right accuses the left of doing it and the left accuses the right of doing it, but each one of them wants to wield power over the other when the reality is, there are left-wing strongholds, and there are right-wing strongholds. And why are we trying to beat each other over the head with a stick? Yeah. You know, I mean, I just, I don't know, everybody's going to hate it, but I think that's a that's a big thing. I mean, if you view freedom or whatever a certain way, then go where that thing is. Yeah. And there's literally not, I mean, obviously having a job and blah, 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 but like, if it's that important to you, I believe that you'll go do it. You won't sit there and whine about it. Otherwise, it's not that important to you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I was going to say, people that lean more, more liberal-minded, they're the ones who are trying to turn each of these, you know, Kansas into California. And they're the ones who are going to complain, oh, people can't move away from Kansas because they can't afford it, and yada, yada, yada. So you guys believe in your Marxism, socialism, and all that. So California, put in a little thing where you'll pay for fucking people that live in Kansas to go to California. Because I guarantee you, someone in California 
if they're more conservative minded, they'll find a way to move to a place like Kansas or yeah. Texas or whatever. It, so you people that believe in all that, you can find a way to pay for those people to relocate. You know, and you see that with uh, immigrants, people that aren't from here. Yeah. Where do they go? They go where the cost of living is like affordable. And so it's like, well, yeah. I went to Kansas because I can afford it. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to live here until I can you know, go, go wherever. That's a thing. Funny and, thing is a lot of those people that come from other countries, though, they they are more conservative minded. Most of them are. Sure. And, you know, you know that's, that's one of the things in this election that's going to get buried. Uh, you know, and again, and this is. You know, I'm conservative, but this is just an observation. This isn't right or left or anything. It's say what you will about Biden winning the election. That's fair. But the reality is Trump pulled in more minority vote for Republicans than Mm. ever. That's the highest vote total ever for conservatives. The Republicans were supposed to get slaughtered in the Senate and slaughtered in the House, and they didn't. They gained seats. Yeah. So the left, I think, is now playing with fire because you're seeing this sort of kind of pandering to the victim mentality, especially with you know, like a lot of the Hispanic culture, uh, they're not like cool with that because I think what a lot of them might see with things like Black Lives Matter, which, you know, love or hate, you know, if if you're that person and you see one party pandering to this one specific group of minorities, they might mm-hmm. be like, what the hell? This is ignorant of, of our situation, right? Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of legal immigrants, they don't like the illegal immigrants who come in and create this this noise that then makes it harder for the legal people to go in here or creates a stigma for them mm-hmm. that they otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. And and they're missing that. And so I think kind of average working class blue collar America that, you know, doesn't live on the, the ivory tower coasts, you know, with their beachside mansions, uh, they view the world differently. And and you can you can visibly see that. On the electoral map, that that is the case. Oh yeah, and and on the left, you know, as much as they love to bitch about income inequality, uh, I mean, just just think about California, for example. And mm-hmm. think about L.A. You've got, you know, the absolute celebrity super millionaire, never was blue collar class, and then abject poverty down oh. to insane amounts of homelessness. Tent cities, yeah, yes. Literal tent cities. And that's yeah. the Democrat Party. It's the super rich and the super poor. And yeah. then everybody who's in the middle, you're over here and you're different. And people might say that I'm crazy. And obviously there's people that are, you know, mixing from both parties. I'm not trying to say that it's all ma- one ma- way or the Majority other. though, majority speaking, yeah. But even like a guy like Andrew Yang, right? He goes on the news just a few days ago and says, hey, when I was running as a Democrat, I'd go see like a truck driver or a waitress and, uh, you know, they would kind of cringe when I said that I was a Democrat, you know? So we've got a real problem with, you know, what made people think this way in his, in his opinion. And I think he's absolutely right is the left has gotten so caught up in this, you know, uh, you know, transgender or as Dave Chappelle puts it, the alphabet people that, uh, yeah, those aren't issues that regular people care about. They really aren't. They, they genuinely are not. Obviously there's people that feel strongly about one thing or another, but on your day to day life, you don't actually give a shit about that. The only people who have time to sit there and think about which toilet you're pissing in. Now, if I'm sitting on the couch and thinking about that, I might get fired up about something. But in your day-to-day working life, as you go to Walmart, you don't give a flying fuck. No. And so the only people that have time to sit there and think about that are the people who are so well-off and so secure in their ivory tower that they have no other issues to debate other than what this, you know, point, 4% 4% of the population is doing because that's yeah. the only issue they can think of because everything else is going well for them. And those are the things that then get echoed in 
you know, pop culture and media and in the news. And then everybody else starts paying attention to things that don't really matter. It's kind of the ultimate celebrity issue. And that's part of the thing with Trump that I think people miss is Trump is not necessarily there because he's Donald Trump. He's there because he's the first guy that even if you hate what he says or think that he's he he tweets irresponsibly and says dumb things and lies, which he does all the above, mm-hmm. it's that he represents somebody who isn't just going to give you a bunch of platitudes and then expect you to be okay with the platitudes. Yeah. And that means something because every politician for the last 60 years in this country has gotten up there and said, I'm going to be a president for everybody and I believe in unity and I believe in, you know, like Biden looking into the camera. Those of you who are in bed tonight, reach over and there's nobody there as he looks in the camera. It's like, I get that. That's not nothing. But it's it's purely an appeal to emotion that is not based on any kind of logic or any kind of policy. Oh, other 100%. than the other guy yeah. sucks. And people yeah. know that. Like, even if they don't know what the policy should be, they recognize that this guy's not appealing to my sense of saying, Here's how I'm going to fix this. He's only appealing to my sense that I'm upset. Uh-huh. And everybody feels that way. But, you know, just because you're mad about something doesn't mean you're going to be able to fix it. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that was really good. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, can yeah. keep, I can keep going and going and going. But oh, you're good, man. Go. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you know, in reality, though, and this is the thing that I think on the conservative side is unpopular because it's gotten... Uh, kind of cultish in its own right is that you know in all honesty joe biden is george bush i mean, 100%. I mean george bush is out is joe biden joe biden is george bush i mean if anything joe biden and i think this might be one of the things that that honestly killed trump in the end is as much today as we like to talk about socialism taking over and you know the news blasts you with that alexandria ocasio cortez chick in new york like yeah the reality is she holds a House of Representatives seat in New York, mm-hmm. and she's one of like a small handful of people in the House that are outwardly super socialist like that. Like there really aren't that. I mean, there are as many socialists in there that like spout stuff as hardcore as she does as there are libertarians like Thomas Massey and Rand Paul, which I just named two of them and that's it. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's not that these people don't exist or that they don't sit in seats of power. It's just this is not kind of the norm. So the thing that I think people should expect from like Joe Biden is not necessarily socialism because the th- the reality is it's he's another one of these politicians who he says whatever he has to say to get elected. Yeah, 100%. And, and the I'm going to ban fracking, right? And then all of a sudden I'm not going to ban fracking. It's like, dude, you literally are on camera saying you're going to ban fracking like four yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, and he's not. He won't. It's because he's a politician from the 80s and they could yeah. get away from stuff like that. Yeah. But nowadays you can't because everything's recorded. The point is corporate interests – the war machine, sort of the neoconservative is what we would have called it 10 years ago, machine is is going to be kind of back running the show. And that's what Joe Biden is. Now, if yeah. you want to tell me Kamala Harris is different, I'm open to that. But if you look at how she did in California with like, you know, the drug war and oh, the attorney yeah. thing, it's, it's, she's basically a fucking neocon. These, these are pro-war, pro-big business, pro-big government, yeah. not necessarily socialist in the sense of like Bernie Sanders, right? They just, they appeal to that base in the same way that Trump appeals to yeah. You know, conservative stuff. Uh, no, 100%. I, mean, I, I think the big fear for anybody who is opposed to a, a Joe Biden presidency, which I'm among them, uh, would be the weaponization of COVID-19. And I don't mean that as in a setting off a bomb to make you sick. I mean that as in the appeal to emotion, which in this case is going to be fear. Yeah. And then things like 
the national mask mandate, uh, a mandatory vaccine, you know, another big economic shutdown, you know, stuff like that. Oh, that, that's that's my biggest fear is they're going to do a shutdown. Yeah. Another shutdown. But so I've been thinking about this pretty heavily, actually. All right. So we, we know that they used COVID as a, you know, as as ammunition to help them win. You know, they've been doing that since day one when they've won. So now what? I mean, really, you do a shutdown. What does it really gain you? You already crashed the economy so you could win. So what is going to crash in the economy do again? Now, if you want to come out and then all of a sudden, hey, COVID's doing better because we took these precautions and we did an extra shutdown like a week long. You know, I could just right. see something, not a long shutdown, short shutdown, week long. And then his approval ratings go through the roof because, oh, he cured it. Our, yeah. our well, Lord and Savior, Joe Biden, cured it. You know, you're, you're dead right, because yeah. if you look at what's happening in Europe right now. England is going through another shutdown. Australia has been in shutdown this whole time. France yeah. is going through another shutdown. Germany, if they haven't already, is about to do another shutdown. And we know just from looking at facts that the economy is already rebounding from the spring shutdowns. Mm -hmm. And so what I would expect is that you're going to see a lot of talk about this mask mandate. Even if it never comes federally, there's going to be another push, particularly from states that have Democrat governors, oh, to do stuff like that. And then, uh, uh, <laughs> my son, no, it's funny. Uh, you're going to see a push for some kind of shutdown. Even if you say, I would expect in the late winter, February, March, we're probably going to get shut down for another two or three weeks. I would almost guarantee it because yeah. they've hyped this COVID fear up so much. They can't walk it back. Politics doesn't admit that it's wrong, whether it's Republican or Democrat. Oh. They, they never admit yeah. mistakes. Yeah. And so I think you're going to see another lockdown, even if it's short. And then they're going to end that lockdown. And then at about that same time, the vaccine will start trickling into like the main population. Like I bet we see first responders and military getting it by the end of this year. And then mm. early next year, you'll start seeing it more available to the public in places like New York and stuff. And then we know the economy is coming back anyway. And so in Biden's first year, it's going to look like, wow, things are getting better. He did a shutdown. He did a mask mandate. There's a vaccine. Everything is getting better, praise Joe Biden. Because oh. people think short-term like that. And mm -hmm. that's not to say that these are things that, you know, Trump is necessarily the real reason for. I think that's just the natural ebb and flow of society as we go in and out of stuff. Politics just likes to latch onto it and say that this is me, I saved you, or the other guys who damned you. When the reality is, government doesn't own society. And government doesn't really even control society. I mean, they definitely have an effect and can control certain things within certain things, but... The society just does what it does. Like, if you look at Sweden, they never locked down this whole time hmm. at all. But everybody was like, well, they had all this problem early on. Like, if you go back to March, it's like, oh, look at Sweden. It's like, I mean, certainly. But their spike just came earlier, and now they don't have one at all. And if you look at, like, even the lockdown thing in Sweden, they heard the same story we did. That there were going to be millions of people dead by fall, which didn't happen, by the way. And... They never shut down businesses, but because everybody thought they were going to die, no, nobody went out to eat. Nobody went out to the movie theaters. Like, like people generally, if they think something is bad, they're going to act on it. It right? goes back to personal responsibility. Absolutely. And, and that's what you see is that if, if people feel something and they have that information, they, they generally take action on it. And yeah. so anything, you know, any government policy that gets in the way of that is basically just somebody playing petty dictator. 
right? Which I would say even Trump did with the first lockdown. It, it should have never happened. That was, 100%. Just, that was just a reactionary bullshit thing from a country like China because they're the ones who did it. We all saw the videos of them like welding apartment doors shut and grabbing people off the streets and, you know, throwing them in cars. I, I just, well, I mean, obviously that happens in China because they have actual communism with like, you know, an actual right. basically dictator. And then one thing I just, you know, maybe we can move on from the political stuff, but as much <laughs> as they say Trump is like a fascist and stuff like that, man, get on social media right now and look at like that AOC talk about making a list of people who supported Trump or worked in some capacity for the Republicans in the Trump years is and putting them on like a blacklist as far as never can do stuff again or whatever. And really? I didn't yeah. I didn't hear about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look it up. That's fascism, right? Saying yes. That that is like legitimate fascism. Well, you know so one thing people don't understand forcing you to wear a mask is legitimate fascism. Yes. You know, and Antifa I I've I've said this so many times. I don't know if we've talked about it before or not, but I'm going to say it again. So, Antifa, what they stand for. They stand for anti-fascism, yada, yada, yada. Okay, well, let's go. It starts with, uh, like, free speech. Uh, it starts with hate speech. You know, uh, calling someone a fag. Okay, you know, oh, we're gonna, we're, I'm going to be in trouble for saying that. Now, it used to be where you could say stuff, well, that, you know, that hurts somebody's feelings. And, you know, it's probably not right to call someone a fag. Um, or the N word or whatever, you know? Um, so we started like, we started saying, okay, there's no hate speech. You can't call someone by a derogatory slur, yada, 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 yada. Well, then it get changes and it changes and it changes and pretty soon pronouns, you know, you can get, uh, kicked off Twitter if you call Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner. Okay. So now what started as hate speech has now grown. So pretty soon you're going to jail, which that's fascism. So yeah. everything they stand for, because they're going to kill out, they're going to stomp out the hate, they're going to do this. No, that's fascism. Everything that Antifa stands for is fascism. Yeah. And, and I don't get why people, I guess, they just don't understand that. I, I, I don't know. But no, no. You, you, I support anybody's right to call anybody anything. The proper way to go about doing it is to educate people. I think we talked about this on the first podcast. Sure. Never, never made it out. But anyways, uh, I just, it doesn't make any sense. Like, no, let's talk to people. Because the minute you start banning anything, anything, we've, we've learned it with drugs. There comes, people are going to do it. There comes crime. There comes a black market. Same thing works with speech. If you start banning speech, people are going to go fucking rebel. Right. So educate people. Quit trying to stamp out the hate. Educate people. Then you can clear up your problem. Right. And then, And so I would say... In the context of educate people, the the issue there is public education, and it's that public uh -huh. education fucking sucks. Fucking because a, it does. the thing that they teach people is all of this woke shit. Mm -hmm. When the reality is, it's not that there's necessarily no merit to it, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's not a polite thing to do or a right thing to do to go call somebody a derogatory word, like calling a gay guy, you know, faggot, or you know, the N word that we can't say about black people, even though that it's blasted on the radio every 30 seconds. I don't think we're uh, supposed to say the F word either, but anyway. <laughs> okay. Can't say faggot. Okay. Bleep, faggot, bleep. So, f whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and that comes down to, I don't know if the answer is like a more egalitarian or a more classical education, but you have to get away from that. You know, the, the permanent victim culture stuff because as long as everybody feels like they're a victim of one thing or another mm -hmm. and, and, and you know the thing is i don't think that kind of the woke crowd doesn't realize that 
you know what you're doing, and you know part of the reason you got Trump is because you're slowly turning the sort of rugged individual class, which, yeah, historically, that's the straight white male nuclear family. Mm-hmm. You're turning that group into a victim. Yeah. And so whenever you finally turn that corner and you make the straight white male, who is the, still the, the plurality of people in this country, mm-hmm. and sure, I mean, you can even say that it's because of the history of this country that that also happens to be the people that, you know, have more money than any other group of people, like in total, not that there's not poor white people, because there's more poor white people than there are any other race. It's just Correct. that once you turn that group into a victim, you're going to have a whole other set of problems with with how you view conservatism. Like if you think it's it's there's an element of conservatism that is, you know, racist and hateful and stuff now, I mean, you guys are playing with fire. And, and I don't think anybody wants to see that, not even white people, even if they don't know it, you know. Right. So, so where does this woke stuff end it doesn't because you can't you you can't permanently have an oppressor class because that would imply that your side's never going to win and then so then what's the point of being a victim mm-hmm. and then so at some point if everybody's a victim well then who's the savior right well in that situation you end up at dictatorship yeah right because one side oh, yeah. just completely silenced the other and yeah. so that doesn't end well even even if you mean well now when you say stuff and you make valid points whether it's you know right or left and the education thing, I mean, it's just, you know, the answer there and people won't like it, in, you know, for one reason or another, is, is the school choice thing. Like, yeah, you're going to have schools that are more right-wing, schools that are more left-wing, but that's what you have to do. You have to break it up. You have to bust up that monopoly so that alternatives can exist. Mm-hmm. And then naturally, people gravitate towards the best alternative over time. I mean, there are examples where the bad alternative wins. But that's part of the human experiment is it's the burden is on us to figure out what that is. So, I mean, nobody goes to ask Jeeves anymore. <laughs> Everybody goes to Google. Forgot about right? And then if you look at like something like DuckDuckGo is increasingly popular because mm-hmm. people are aware of Google and the privacy stuff. And uh, you have to let those experiments play out. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to. Everybody looks at like evolution and Darwinism and the survival of the fittest and they they put their stamp on that as if it's, well, again, it, it's a, it's almost a religious dogma at this point. This yeah. is how the world works, survival of the fittest. But we don't let that play out culturally. I was going to say, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what the actual fuck? Like, how can you sit here and say that, well, I acknowledge that this is how nature works, but yet I'm going to deny nature when it comes to this yeah. because my feelings. And it's like, well, I mean, nature and science don't actually give a shit how you feel about anything, no. right? So, like, if, if you have to, I don't know, whatever. No, you're you're right. You're right. You know, it's funny you mentioned DuckDuckGo, and I guess uh, I, I haven't got on it much, but I guess BitChute is getting more and more and more popular too. Yeah, definitely. Because and one thing I've noticed for people out there, like you know, we're recording this podcast and stuff like that, is that one of the criticisms of sort of these alternative platforms to you know YouTube and like you know Twitter's alternative now is. Uh, probably Parler's the bigger one, but before that it was Gab and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If you go to those things, yes, they are dominated by sort of kind of the far right onslaught of, you know, alternative media. Like, absolutely, that's the thing. But like, if you go to BitChute, one thing is that that community, though, of people is starving for content. So like, if you're someone who's starting something, whether you're making comic books or whatever, and you're putting stuff on YouTube or you're putting out a podcast... Mm-hmm. By all means, go check out BitChute or like, you know, brand new tube or, or whatever it is. There's a, quite a few of them now. There's yeah. a lot of people that are, they want there to be something. 
Mm-hmm. It's just that like everybody's stuck on this fear of not moving. And, and you, you, I think people would be surprised. How do you feel about the censorship of, like, Google or DuckDuckGo? Well, I guess not DuckDuckGo, sorry, but the anti-censorship of DuckDuckGo. Uh, but YouTube, Google, Twitter. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know what the specific answer is, but I do think that there should be a long, hard look, in particular at Google, as far as, like, the antitrust stuff. Mm-hmm. From the aspect that not just Google search engine, but Google as a whole owns so much stuff it's a monopoly right? yeah it, it's the same argument of like against standard oil and the rockefellers back in the day oh 100 or uh you know if there's any sort of boomer folks listening it would be ma bell right maybell the you know southwestern bell company mm-hmm. that, that owned all the phone services yeah or the cable company yep it, it's that situation and so that's always a tough one because you know the the thing with monopolies is that they're not always nefarious. Sometimes they become a monopoly because they're the best at what they do. And so people choose them over the alternative because they're better at it. Yeah. And so there's not necessarily an easy answer to how I'm going to bust this up. But in general, I think when it comes to like censorship, a lot of it, again, comes down to individual responsibility. Like an individual should should be aware. And, and again, education, we should teach this in school that, yeah. hey, Google is a company. It's run by humans. And as much as they will tell you that there's an AI or an algorithm that determines blah, 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 that was typed by humans. They made it. Yeah. And so whatever the internal biases or thoughts or opinions of those humans are, are going to be reflected in what YouTube presents you or what Google presents you or what Twitter presents you. Because that's part of being human is choice and being aware of how people work. And so... The big question now, I think, is that article section 230 or whatever it is where, you know, Twitter isn't responsible for the content of Twitter because Twitter is just a platform. They're not editorializing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the argument is that when Twitter censors something that they're editorializing, which then makes them, you know, subject to regulation, right? Because if they're going to yeah. editorialize, then it's no longer just a pure platform. And I don't know what the answer is there because I don't want to see Twitter just become... I mean, if people think censorship is bad now, then as soon as you pull that 230, censorship is all you're going to get. Because then anything Twitter thinks could come back on Twitter is not going to be allowed. Oh, yeah. So anything that's slightly controversial on Twitter would disappear overnight, whether it's right, left, or indifferent. And then suddenly Twitter's not Twitter anymore. And I think one of the big things with something like Twitter is that, you know, overall it might be a bad thing. And maybe people aren't quite ready for that kind of an onslaught of information. but The platform has shown how powerful it can be for the first time in human history to have access to information instantaneously from anyone. Oh, yeah. Right. There's there's no filter. And so there's a really good chunk. I mean, Twitter is like kind of the epitome of the Internet in some sense. Like the Internet was this idea that you can have access to any information that there is out there all the time all over the world. Well, Twitter is like a it's that on steroids. Yeah. Right. And it's just I don't I don't know if people can handle it, but. I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. We just have to learn how to navigate that. And I think the real answer is raise people that aren't fucking stupid, not, you know, nuke Twitter or, or nuke Facebook or whatever. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So my thing is, is and, I, and I've went back and forth on this so many times because being a libertarian, you know, I'm a very big supporter of, you know, businesses, whether it's a corporation or a small business or whatever. You know, that's their business. They have the right to do whatever the fuck they want. But at the same time, Let's think about communist China and censorship. Let's take Twitter. If this Twitter was in China, the government would oversee it. 
and they would censor it. Well, it's really no different here because all those people, those CEOs of Twitter and Facebook and, and Google, they're all fucking buddies with our government. So, I mean, yeah, the government may not be directly controlling them, but they're friends with them or they're in the same club. You know, so it's kind of like the government is in a little bit. And then I have a big problem with that. So I've went back and forth so many times on, well, it's a private, it's a private company. They can do what they want. It's their company. But at the same time, it's like, well, you're all in the same club. So you're, you're censoring it. You're, we're no different than China. I mean, we are basically China anymore, which is a twist, you know? So it's just, I, I don't know. I've gone back and forth so many times on how I feel about that. And I think I've come down to the conclusion that, well, if you're in the same club, then it's China. And you guys, so I don't think it should be nuked like you said, but we should do a better job of teaching people, hey, go look elsewhere, you know, and I think people are waking up to it. People are tired of it. I mean, hell, you go look up anything on Google uh, and Google's going to show you what they, you know, the first few pages, what you, what they want you to see. Look it up on DuckDuckGo. Yeah, you're going to find a lot of the same shit, but at the same time, you're going to find stuff you won't find on Google unless you click to the next uh, 10 pages in, you know, so anyway. Oh, hell, man. I think that's a, a, it's a good one, though, huh? Yeah. That felt fun. Yeah. We talked about piss, talked about slavery, aliens. <laughs> Religious we politics. All. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it. So, see ya.